the three things. Hey guys, welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast where I share my journey and I invite others to share theirs. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain, media personality and social influencer. You can check me out on Instagram at Lonnie Swain, L-O-N-I-S-W-A-I-N and the podcast on Instagram at Lonnie Swain Show. Joining me, Miss Nakia Young, who is born in Chicago, raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma and back in Chicago now, correct? Correct. And so I have to say I'm in the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, okay. Now that is important. (laughs) Yes, it is not. It is not. (laughs) Exactly. Because a lot of times people claim, you know, yeah, I'm from Chicago. Well, where exactly do you live? Oh, I live in Schaumburg. No, that's not really Chicago. (laughs) But it's just for all. I lived on the west side of Chicago, but I moved. And so now I'm in Homewood in the south suburbs. Okay. Okay, okay. And the thing about it is for people who aren't familiar with the Chicago culture and the suburbs and things like that, usually it's just easier for people to say, I live in Chicago, because when you say Schaumburg or Homewood, it's like, oh, where is that? You know, the closest known place is Chicago (laughs) in the general vicinity. Um, So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're going to get into what it is that you are up to and why you are a woman that people should know about but before I do that I like to play a little game so we can get a little feel for your personality and um, outside of your profession and the game is called either or so I'm going to name two things and you have to pick either or of the two okay all right let's go sunrise or sunset Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with sunset credit card or cash cash <laughs> bath or shower shower passenger or driver driver i'm the worst driver cardio or weights uh, i'm a cardio diva i actually teach zumba so i gotta say cardio okay iphone or android Android. <laughs> and I somehow knew you were going to say that and I've never seen your phone, but I just felt like you were an Android woman. <laughs> winter or <laughs> winter or summer? Summer. I hate winter. <laughs> That's because you're in the Midwest, but I'll continue with the game. Car or truck? <laughs> truck. Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? Oh, uh, dang, that's a hard one. I'm going to have to go with Willa Fortune. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Martin? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to have to say Fresh Prince, but Fresh Prince with the real Aunt Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> with stipulations. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, now, in a partner, do you prefer intelligent or funny? Uh, I'll say intelligent. Older or younger? This is weird because I'm actually older than my husband, but I'm going to say older. I guess because I equate older with being mature. Mature. Mm -hmm. mature. Okay. Yeah. All right. And now music taste, Tupac or Biggie? Uh, Tupac, for sure. Nas or Jay-Z? I got to go with Nas. And since you're in Illinois and you rep Chicago, I'm going to make it real hard for you. Kanye or Common? Okay. Hey. Uh, 
I mean, that's both had some hits, but I'm going to go with Common. It, like, you're probably starting to see a thread. I tend to like rappers that have, like, a po- you know, positive, empowering messages. Mm-hmm. You know, the flashy stuff. Kanye had Jesus Walks. <laughs> you did. I mean, you know, Old you Kanye. Kanye. Yes. Been like, yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, like present day Kanye and like some of his latest stuff, I'm like, uh. But uh-huh. Kanye, I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Totally down with it. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for playing along. I feel like we got a good uh, idea, good feel for your personality to a certain extent, a good little introduction. I think the game is always a little more fun than just reading off your bio, you know? Um, yeah. So now to get into kind of a little more of the factoids, you grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then you transitioned to the Chicago area by way of DePaul University. Absolutely. So tell everybody. So I came in 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was your major at DePaul? I was a psychology major. Uh, my concentration was child psychology on child development. Okay. And so what did you at that time think you would be doing professionally as a career? Um, I think I knew I wanted to work with kids or kind of maybe be like a family counselor or maybe do something within the school system. I wasn't quite sure, but I went ahead and uh, picked a child psychology major and I did end up becoming a school teacher later on. Mm-hmm. And now you are an author and life coach. Are you still doing the school teaching at all as well? No, I'm not. I stopped teaching in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even like working for Chicago public schools as a special education teacher was crazy, highly stressful. Um, Nothing you learn in college can prepare. <laughs> and <laughs> I've heard similar stories. I like at one point, yes, I saw orange jumpsuits in my future, and I had. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how did authoring and and life coaching kind of come into the picture? Well, with life coaching, it kind of it wasn't that far of a stretch since I've always been interested in people. What makes people tick? you know, like Myers-Briggs personality tests and things of that nature. So I knew I wanted to do something that was empowering and helpful to people. Uh, The life coaching, I just got certified as a life coach in May of this year. Congratulations. Um, Pretty much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so funny because it's like I got a psychology degree and now that I'm doing the life coaching thing, I'm like, wow, I'm still doing what I wanted to do, but this is a much cheaper route. I wish I would have discovered this before I paid all that money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all working out for my good. Um, and the author thing, I've always expressed myself well through writing, but I just found, you know, a passion point, you know, to start this book and the Virtue Sheet brand and all of that. So. And let me ask you this question, because it's always been interesting to me that I felt that there was a little rivalry between like psychologists, counselors and life coaches, because there was this impression that I got that counselors felt life coaches were attempting to do what they do, but they weren't trained to do it. 
because I think it's a, a totally different approach because I've definitely done counseling and I've also gone to a life coach. So how would you, from the uh, interesting perspective of someone who not only studied and practiced in psychology and counseling, but also um, life coaching, how would you describe the difference between the two approaches? You know, it's like apples and oranges. They, they highly relate to each other, but the best way I can describe it to people is that a life coach is basically there to talk to you about your goals and help you achieve them. That's what they're there to do, just like a football coach or a basketball coach. They're trying to help you, give you, you know, tools it takes to win, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but counseling and therapy is more about helping you unpack maybe past hurts and past experiences, um, maybe things that happened to you when you were younger, things that have shaped who you are as a human being that you may not even really be aware of. Gotcha. It's kind of like, why am I like this? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's very common for people to sign up for life coaching, and we get to working on these, these goals, and then it's like you have all this other stuff. It's like you, you have these mental blockages that are so severe. I don't, know, I don't know if maybe severe is the right word, but it's something that needs attention. And when mm-hmm. it gets to that point, the life coach should refer you to a therapist and say, hey, um, we're going to continue with your sessions, but I think we should put a pause in I'm actually going to refer you to um, talk to a therapist about these other past issues so that they don't mess you up going forward on the stuff that we want to work on now. You know? Gotcha. So go talk to them, go through those sessions with them, and then we can get back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what should happen. Mm-hmm. That's what should happen. Gotcha. But I think sometimes, depending on the life coach, they may just like be scared they're going to miss out on money, and they're like, "Oh, if I refer them out, mm-hmm. they won't need me anymore." You know, what if they don't come back? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they start trying to trying to help somebody with like forget issues, like a full subscription. And they're trying to be sad outside of their pay grade. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that clarification because I I definitely think that that is something that a lot of people don't really know or understand. And so they may or may not be signing up for something that they think is going to be helpful, but it's not, you know, really what they should, you know, it's not that they're not going to the right person for what they need. Absolutely. And I'm all about letting people know that. because I don't want people to have expectations of me, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to be able to do. So I'm going to be very upfront mm-hmm. about this is what I do. This is what I do not do. Right. You know, if mm-hmm. you start working on a plan for you to reach X, Y, Z goal and I feel you need counseling, I'm going to refer you. Now, whether or not you go mm-hmm. is on you. Right. But I'm going to refer you. And mm-hmm. as somebody who's, you know, had counseling and done life coaching myself, I'm a firm believer in personal growth and doing whatever you need to do to Mm -hmm. be a healthy whole person. Yes. So I'm not going to be telling people to do something that I myself haven't done. Exactly. I love it. And now speaking of becoming a healthy and whole person, you are speaking directly to us ladies in your latest book, Virtue Chic, Classy Takes Center Stage. And one of the chapters that really caught my attention was femininity and it being a lost art. Yes. 
So tell me more about that. Mm. Yeah, that sounded, <laughs> like to me. <laughs> Now, y'all got to know, I am almost 37. I turn 37 next month. Um, Happy early birthday. So, thank you very much. (laughs) So, a lot of people would say I'm more traditional. Um, You know, it has a lot to do with my faith. I'm Christian, my upbringing, and all that stuff. But even if you don't come from a particularly traditional background, you have to have noticed the shift in just where femininity is going and it's like what's being portrayed in the in the media what it means to be a woman the whole scope of that is shifting so much um and not the better just more crass more you know stuff that just would have caused our parents and our ancestors to just keel over mm-hmm. <laughs> like just you know the brash talking and just craziness and just being as unladylike as a catch-22 that's happening. Mm-hmm. And what do you blame or what do you see the the reason for that being? Or do you do you have a reason or a, a hypothesis? Well, I was talking through that a little bit in my book. So there are several reasons for it. Um, and I think that any discussion on, it's so funny because guys will say like, what's wrong with women? Like, y'all unchanged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, while that might be true, you have to look at why. And there's several reasons for why. And I think that, um, you know, just going from a biblical standpoint, when God created earth and he made Adam over earth and all this other stuff, if you just look at whenever men are not doing what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. like things get out of order. And I feel like if you look back to even my parents' day, um, there was a lot of male chauvinism that we see, you know, maybe our moms and our aunts and our older relatives go through. Mm-hmm. And I think that after like the 60s and the sexual revolution and stuff, women were just like, we're done with y'all crap. Like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forget y'all. We can make our own money now. We're not finna just stay in the kitchen and following behind you. Whatever, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that has a lot to do with it. And we're seeing that now, even with the Me Too movement and everything that's happened, just situations where men have a certain level of power and it goes to their head and they don't know what to do with that and they start to verbally, sexually, emotionally abuse their female counterparts, well, nobody's going to, you know, take that for too long and there's going to be an uprising. So, yeah, that's, I think that a lot of that has to do with it. Um, And just women having to do their own healing journey. Like when you've been wronged, by someone and you don't heal from that, then it you develop this hard shell and it's like, well, nobody's ever going to do that to me again. Mm-hmm. And then you not only keep away bad people, but you keep away good people, like people who just want to help you and they're just trying to love you and you're being a porcupine. <laughs> so, yeah. Talk to love a porcupine. Also, speaking as an African-American woman, our whole family structure was just like demolished with slavery. And we're still feeling the ripple effects of that to this day. Absolutely. Um, So I think that definitely plays a huge part as well. 
So how do we, without, of course, telling us everything that you have in the book, but how, what is one way that you feel that we can regain or start to, to shift that dynamic? I think uh, one of the ways definitely is to just be real with yourself and like who hurt you, you know, mm-hmm. instances in your life uh, where men were supposed to be, you know, protecting and providing for you where they just didn't do that, mm-hmm. you know, and how did that affect you and how did that shape your attitude toward men going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, I know like, in the African-American community, and I shouldn't even just say the African-American community because several other cultures deal with this as well, but it just seems to be a disproportionate amount of my female black friends that have been molested as a child. It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. My neighbors, cousins, uncles, um, you know, step-parents, you name it. Yeah. And that... You know, that's really difficult to reconcile within yourself, especially, um, you know, being raised like what happens in this house stays in this house, you know, Mm -hmm. who do you talk to? You know, it's crazy. It's like you got to go to family reunions and the person that molested you is sitting at the table playing spades with your uncles. It's like, it gets crazy. Right. You you kind of feel hardened, like who's supposed to have my back here if, your family is supposed to be the one institution that you can count on no matter what. And if a lot of your hurt is coming from family members, that definitely is a huge thing that um, shapes how you view men going forward. Even mm-hmm. if you're trying to have a relationship with God, you know, and you're looking at God as a father, well, if you had a jacked up experience with your father, mm-hmm. then you're going to see God as he's no better than any other man that you've known, you know, and it that's, Stuff like that is where you really need to go to therapy and sort it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing that we don't like to do in our communities enough is go to therapy. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, There's a stigma know. that, oh, if you go to therapy, you yeah. must be crazy or, you know, things like that. And I I tell people, no, you go to therapy so that you don't become crazy, so that you do kind of manage, exactly. you know, your emotions so that you're not out here acting out, you know, in unrational or irrational ways. One conversation that a girlfriend of mine and I have all the time and I think is part of this conversation now is one thing that I think what we do do specifically in the African-American community that we don't see as much in other cultures is how the women and the men publicly speak down on each other. If you look on, you know, black Twitter or on social media, Instagram, all of the memes are, you know, black women do this. And and it's mostly black men that are posting that. And, you know, oh, black men are this way. You know, there was one meme that I saw that was unfortunately just really deep that, you know, so many people were in the comments, amen and in agreeing to. But it, the question that was posed was, who has done more to hurt and humiliate you as a black woman, black men or white supremacists? I don't know if you saw that one, but, you know, it was wow. basically oh, saying, yeah, it was basically saying that, you know, who has has, you know, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it was like, who has, you know, made you feel, you know, small and, and embarrassed you and hurt you, devalued you more 
the black man or the white or a white supremacist, you know, saying that, you know, with everything going on now with the Black Lives Matter and things like that, and people want to turn this focus on racism, there's so much hate within our own community of tearing down yeah, each other. Yeah, we have sex hate. People who don't like recover and rebuild at all. So they've just yeah. been passing along the dysfunction from generation to generation to generation. Yes, absolutely. And so, and I just want people to be clear because I, I can kind of start rambling and getting off on topic. But um, basically, the 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 purpose of your book is not to bash or to talk about you know all of the dysfunction but more so how to get out of the dysfunctional routines and especially as women things that may be holding us back from our own greatness and so um if you had to narrow it down to the three things to that process to getting to your greatness what would you say those things were uh the first it always starts and I talk about knowing who you are and whose you are, you know, as a child of God. Like, what are your unique strengths and gifts and things of that nature? Um, I'm a huge fan of the Myers-Briggs personality test. It's one of the most accurate personality assessments I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. And you can Google it, and they have three versions online. And mm-hmm. it'll tell you um, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and based on that, kind of what career paths would be good for someone who possesses your personality traits and things of that nature. Um, But just knowing who you are, uh, especially in this age of social media, so you're not trying to just look at what everybody else is doing and do that. Like, know what makes you unique and go for that. So Mm -hmm. that's number one. Um, Number two, you have to have a vision. You know, you have to have a general, once you've got your purpose, that helps you narrow down your vision where you see yourself in a year, where you see yourself in five years, where you see yourself in 10 years. Um, Otherwise, you're just going to be wandering aimlessly, 
Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to have something clearly written down, like, this is where I'm going. Even if everything doesn't go exactly how you've written it, you at least have some kind of map. You're not on your way from Chicago to Tulsa. You've been traveling <laughs> for five years and you still haven't gotten to Tulsa. Right. You know, you're on the wrong path somewhere. Right. You know, <laughs> you know? so, mm-hmm. yeah, just one, know who you are, two, have a vision. Um, three, I would say, be a good student. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, everyone's not able to hire life coaches and hire mentors and go to every single conference or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information out there for whatever you want to do. We are in the information age. Mm -hmm. Like, we're swimming in information. Mm -hmm. You can go on Periscope and you can find someone talking about what you're trying to pursue. You Mm -hmm. can find a Facebook Live about it. Mm -hmm. You can find, oh my gosh, books. People don't read as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of books. Most leaders and anyone you know of who's great, they read and read and read. And their bookshelf is covered with material from people who are inspiring, who are empowering, who are in the field that they hope to be great in themselves. Mm-hmm. So read, read, get your information, be a good student. Don't expect things to just fall in your lap have to go get it and what are the things that people need to stop doing to hinder your greatness or things that you may be doing that are getting in the way of your greatness that gets into relationships okay. and not just romantic relationships but um friends as well watch mm-hmm. your circle mm-hmm. watch your circle watch your circle watch your circle stop tolerating people that you know don't mean you any good Mm-hmm. Amen, you know, sister. Everyone talks about <laughs> frenemies and, mm-hmm. and haters, and I talk about that in the book. Many people say you're like way past their expiration date. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at a person's friends in their circle, you can get a general sense for who they are as a person and where they're going to go. And so if you look at the people you spend the most time around and they don't reflect where you want to be, mm-hmm. you got to cut them loose or at least significantly cut back the yeah. amount of time you spend with them. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Um, don't settle in romantic relationships just to say you got somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just don't do it. There's a lot of that going around. <laughs> a lot. Oh my God, so much. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe that people probably laugh at me when I say this, but I don't believe in, in casual dating. I just don't have that kind of time to waste. Mm-hmm. Like, I can take my own self to dinner. I can, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm perfectly cool with my own company. Mm-hmm. If I take time out of my day to entertain someone else, like to put someone else on my schedule of plans mm-hmm. to go, you know, be calling and all of this other stuff, I'm not just doing it just to be cute. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is me. I'm, I'm saying now I'm a married woman. Right. I was going to say, says the married woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm saying this is the kind of attitude I have as single, and this is why I was abstinent for 10 years. Wow. Um, oh, my God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, look, you qualified to say that then, now that you say that part. <laughs> I believe you. No, seriously. It, sometimes it was kind of lonely, but then I was—I had to just when it got especially lonely, I had to tell myself, "Look, you just want to wait for quality to come along." 
you're confused the answer is no (laughs) if you don't know it's a no Mm -hmm. and what's the last thing Uh, long engagements in 2017 too long engagements just beat it you've been engaged for five years doesn't take five years to clear right And what is something that you would say the the biggest thing you would want to tell your younger self, knowing what you know now, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you say? Oh, man. My younger self was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) My younger self is a whole other podcast. (laughs) But the main thing I would tell my younger self is that you're not an accident. You're not an accident. God has a completely awesome plan and purpose for your life. You were not here by chance. You have purpose. You're beautiful and you're no accident. Yeah, that's the main thing. Love it. And you mentioned reading books and books being important. Aside from your book, Virtue Chic, what book would you say has been the most impactful in your life or one that you highly recommend? Okay, so there are several books that I've read in 2017 because I just challenged myself to read four books a month. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fell off towards the end of the year, but the like, first seven or eight months, I was a reading fool. <laughs> and one of the books <laughs> that... I read, it's by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy, and I am, like, looking on my bookshelf right now to read the title of this to you, because I don't want to leave that one word. Like, this, if you don't have anything else on your bookshelf, you all need to get this book. And it's about, I think it's called The Life Plan, um, and it's about basically planning your life. It takes it, I said earlier, it's important to have a vision, mm-hmm. but this book talks about having a vision for your whole life. And I've never heard anybody speak to that before, the way that these two authors spoke to it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while. I mean, they just tell you to like go to a hotel room or go somewhere secluded where you can sit down and you can plan your life. Mm-hmm. Plan what you want your relationships to be like. Plan what you want your career to look like. You know, yeah. plan it. And don't live, living forward, that's what it's called, living forward, a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life you want. It's a very long title. That's why mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure <laughs> uh-huh. it really uh-huh. um, But that, that's a game changer. That book is a game changer by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. Oh, I'm and writing that down. Mind. I'm going to put it. You're not planning. <laughs> drifting is exactly it. Yes, that's what you're doing. Wow. Let Just me. Drifting. 
let me go put that in my Amazon uh, cart right now. <laughs> Girl, you're going to be like, what? This book is a business. Okay. Out of every book I've read in 2017, that was the most impactful one. Right mm-hmm. now, I am reading The Hollywood Commandments by Devon Franklin. Mm-hmm. And he's slain my life already, and I'm only on chapter four. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, did you read his other one, The the Vow or The Weight? I did not read that one. I'm okay. going to have to go back and read it, though. Okay. Um, because some of the concepts in it directly relate to things I say in my book, so I'm curious. And mm-hmm. I heard them speak in person. Uh-huh. Okay. At Dr. Bill Winston's church, I heard them speak in person and share their testimony. It was really powerful, so I do want to go back and read that. Okay. And since you said that you speak to some of the principles in your book, um, do you feel like abstinence was necessary for you to find your husband and, and have the relationship that you have now? I definitely do. I feel that I heard my life coach, uh, Love McPherson, she said this a couple of weeks ago on someone's interview. And this, the, this one of the realest things I've ever heard anybody say. She was talking about how sex is not only a distraction, but it causes you to put up with things that you shouldn't put up with for longer than you would normally put up with them. Because mm-hmm. now you've made this physical investment and yes. you're sort of obligated to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely found that to be true in my experience. So people get an idea. I did not, I was not a virgin when I got married. I lost my virginity when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And then I rededicated my life to God. I decided I was going to wait until the next person I was intimate with was going to be my husband. Mm-hmm. And I got married at 28. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, from 18 to 28, I was getting degrees and, and learned to love myself and moving out the house and staying in my own apartment and just. Mm-hmm. Reshifting my focus, and I just that's I feel like abstinence, no matter what age or stage in life you're at, yeah, is a good way to center yourself and be focused. And that's interesting because those years that you were abstinent are the years that most people are doing the most exploring and uh, having a lot of ups and downs in that realm of dating and and exploring sexuality. So I would imagine that was probably a more challenging time to be abstinent. Uh, Definitely, I would say it was, but surrounding myself with other people who Mm -hmm. shared the same kind of conviction, that was helpful. Okay. Uh, it definitely, it would have been definitely harder if all of my friends were doing it and I was the only one holding out. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have made it ten times harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the man that I'm married to, I haven't said his name this whole interview. Rodney, I love you. <laughs> young. Shout out to him. Aww. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a similar testimony. Mm-hmm. Where. He decided to be absent, I think, when he was also 18 years old. Okay. And then, yeah, there's nobody else until me at mm-hmm. 28. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like for people who are just like, where do you find men who will agree to abstinence? Right. Do they even exist? Are they uh, unicorns? Uh huh. I don't think that's Right, exactly. <laughs> what is going on? Tell us, direct us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that has. I had to, uh, I had to get really, you'll be tested. Anytime you say you're abstinent, oh, that is going to be tested. Mm-hmm. And guys see it as a challenge, too. Right. So, um, 
So how did you how did you find how did you find your husband? Or how did he find you? We met at the Paul. Okay. And we we met through gospel choir. Okay. Um, and then I moved off campus so we didn't see each other for a while. But we basically reconnected years later through church mm-hmm. in two thousand four. Okay. And I left my church and went to another church, um, and he just happened to be there. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, what's up? Didn't see each other for a while. So the church was humongous, had 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. I joined an intercessory prayer training 10-week course at this church, mm-hmm. and he happened to be in there as well. So wow. faith was definitely, you know, how we even hooked up. Yeah. And that made it that much easier because I didn't have to worry about trying to explain to him why abstinence was important to me. Right. He was already living it. You know, he was already there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we started dating in 2006. We got engaged in 2008 and married in 2009. I love it. Yes. It was about <laughs> trusting God. It was about God, I really want to do this to honor you first and foremost that mm-hmm. had to be you know your why has to be really strong when things come to test it you have to go back to why you're doing this and mm-hmm. it wasn't just because I didn't want to be distracted and I was focused that was a part of it but my main thing was my faith and I didn't want to do anything to break God's heart and because you know the Bible says to abstain from sexual activity until you're married you know it's just like okay you either believe this or you don't Mm-hmm. So I had to just stick with that really hard why in times when I was just like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> How much longer do I have to do this? Right. Um, but and it all worked out. It all worked out. There's a part in the um, book where I talk about, like, know your why. Mm-hmm. You know, if God was like, okay, I don't have anybody for you. I just want you to just, you know, be single like Paul and, and Jesus. I just want you to just be single and be awesome and, and go, like, how would you feel if God said that to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I had to ask myself that question because after 10 years, I was like, wow, <laughs> 10 years. And okay. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> you know, but God came through in the end, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I had already found my purpose. So knowing your purpose and walking that out and having your strong why will mm-hmm. keep you during those times and when you're on your path of purpose then the right friends the right mentors the right you know men or the right woman is going to also be on that path mm-hmm. so that's why it's so important to get on that path everything you need is on that path mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with and especially being Christian and being um a person that values uh, treating people kindly and and doing the quote unquote right things when it comes to boundary setting. Sometimes we want to be too nice or we, you know, letting people overstay because we feel intimidated to say no or that it's not nice to say no or to assert ourselves in certain ways. So how would you say you were able to kind of cut certain people off or establish, you know, those boundaries with people that you realized weren't going to be able to accompany on your path to where you were going? Oh, that is, I've had so much experience with that. <laughs> I want to write a whole other book on that. 
ministry i'm gonna have to be become see if i can become a member <laughs> of the black yes. ministry god is in the block mm-hmm. like i got some people right now that you know we went through my husband and i mm-hmm. know, we went through um and it was family members yeah so we're just like okay we really gonna try to preserve the relationship yeah it's family so mm-hmm. we went to like family counseling and everything mm-hmm. and it's just like you know now God and all things are possible with God so things could change later but at the end of the session we went to it was like nobody was changing mm-hmm. nobody was sorry for anything nobody I was just like well then why are we going to continue a relationship exactly you know, we have to move forward mm-hmm. we love you God bless you but right no, yeah. you're going to see very little of us. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a hard thing, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are some of your favorite acts of self-care besides being a part of the block ministry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say movement. I love dance. I, I just love to dance. And so I'm a Zumba instructor. 
getting in the gym, even if it's not Zumba, if it's weightlifting, if it's the elliptical, I think giving yourself at least 30 minutes of some kind of good cardio or workout uh, four to five days a week is the best thing you can do for your body. Whether you feel like you need to lose weight or not, if you have no weight to lose at all, like we need to be moving. We tend to be very sedentary, sit at our desk, sit in the car. Uh, you got to get that blood pumping mm-hmm. and moving. So if you don't have any kind of workout regime, like that's, do that. Find it. That's one. Another thing I like to do is I like to journal. I love to just get my journal out and just vomit my thoughts out onto the pages. Mm-hmm. Let it all out. Sometimes it's two pages, sometimes it's six pages front and back. Yes. <laughs> and just put all of that in there. I love self-reflecting. And it's really fun, too, to go back and read old journal entries. You'd be like, oh, Lord, you have done a lot. <laughs> but, yes, I, I love to do that, journaling. Um, now I have a baby, and praise God, he's been asleep this whole interview. <laughs> I have to, <laughs> like it's a miracle, like he's yeah. still sleeping, praise God. Um, like, I have to find times when he's asleep and mm-hmm. when my husband's asleep. So it's usually late at night after I put the baby to bed and hubby's gone to bed. I'm going to sit in the living room and light my candle and read a book and journal for a good 90 minutes and then I'll go to bed. Mm -hmm. But just taking that time for yourself and taking the time to work out. I can't Mm -hmm. think of anything else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are my favorite things to do. Yes. Before I let you go, I want to know what it is, because in one of your chapters, which I love, Nice Women Finish First, what is it that you hope to accomplish with your book, Virtue Chic? I hope to to accomplish a movement in encouraging women to love God, love themselves, and love others. Uh, In that order, I really want to just champion that because especially to love others because a lot of women kind of feel like this cattiness and this jealousy and this me versus her and this we competing that's not where it's at and I see that in women of all ages Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but just when you know who you are and you have your purpose it's not a I'm going to get out and get it before somebody else gets it it's like we can all win yeah. So that's my big goal is to just go out and just kind of share my story. Uh, if I can get on college campuses and share it, you know, that will be awesome. Mm-hmm. Women's conferences, everywhere mm-hmm. I can think to share it, more TV and radio interviews, just to get the conversation started. Those are some things that I hope to accomplish with this book. It's a, a good conversation starter. You know, this is where we want to go. Getting women to know that being classy and being kind is not boring, it's not lame. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what you're seeing on social media, no matter how many booty flashing silicone Instagram models you see blowing up, like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you can be, you can be like clothed, dressed, and classy, be kind, and still have success. Yes. Be true to yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you so very much. Classy takes center stage. Virtue Chic is the name of the book. Miss Nakia Young, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I forgot to say like how people can get in contact with me. I was just going to ask, how can people find you and continue the conversation with you? Sure. You can go to my website, www.virtuechic.net. If you subscribe on my, if you go on my website, subscribe to my email list, you actually get a free download of chapter one so you can get a jump start on reading the book. Um, you can also find me on social media at Virtue Chic and on Facebook at Virtue Chic and also at Nikita Young, N-I-K-E-Y-A, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well.